0: Good to have you in the Sports Editor. Thank you so much for chatting to us about your career. And we're currently based in St. Andrews, Grahamstown. Lovely school, fantastic school. So I'm excited to see what you have to say about the school program, the cricket program, so to say. Cole, first question. You're currently the director of cricket at St. Andrews. Um, would it be fair to say that a good cricket program ensures a good school work ethic?
1: Yeah, I think cricket by nature, obviously that's – It's a long-term game and it teaches us a lot of things in terms of life. So I think like patience, endurance, obviously perseverance and all the rest. And also I understand that, you know, it is a bit of a longer, you know, sport played and does is time consuming. But at the same time, you know, with the boys boarding school, boys need to be occupied. Mm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it is a little bit of a sell in terms of cricket. So you've got to try and have the balance between time cricket and 2020 cricket. But I do believe there's enough um, sort of chias and enough energy behind cricket. It's not like it's, you know, the guys come to St. Andrews and, and, and avoid the game. I think, you know, there, there, are enough, there are enough players and talent for us to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't... And it's more about probably promoting an athlete. And I think we, you know, there are the guys who play basketball, there's guys who play polo and there will always be a little bit of competition for space in terms yes, of definitely. who plays what sport. But I think, you know, they're only coming in as a grade eight and some of them haven't even played cricket before. Mm. Some haven't been exposed to other sports. So you've got to give them that space to make that decision. I think that if you force it upon them, then um, they might not ever come back to the game. So, that initial part where they're in grade eight and you promote skills and athlete development, and then they go and experience it for themselves, then the ones that want to play cricket will obviously gravitate towards it. Last thing you want to do is give them an unhappy experience because they're not going to be coming back in a rush as such. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, it's that healthy balance and, yeah, you know, understanding that they're just boys and they're still understanding who they are and, and where they fit as such, especially as grade eights, yeah
0: absolutely but talking about it you, i mean you are in a bit of pressure because i think you've got about 450 boys that attend attend entries and obviously in summer sports um water polo is doing very well rowing is doing very well so you know you mentioned there that you've got to keep crickets interesting, interesting for them how do you sort of go about that how do you keep cricket interesting for the learners because a lot of them are saying ah cricket just takes too long it's a whole day especially when i'm playing 18. how do you yeah. how do you sort of keep that interest going
1: I think it takes long for the boys who aren't heavily involved in influencing the game. Mm. So you would say, you know, a guy that's, you know, he's, he doesn't feel like he's making an impact. He hasn't got a real belonging in the team. True. You know, for the guys that are batting, bowling, fielding, wicket-keeping, they, I mean, it's not a hard sell. I mean, they'll come back every day. Yeah. So it's about creating um, opportunities for those guys to actually express themselves, whether it's in a middle practice, in nets, just making sure they've got opportunity to actually play the game and not just sitting around, not being involved. And I think that we, we try, and well, try and make sure we've got enough fixtures. I mean, it mm. is a bit of a challenge being in Eastern Cape. And so we do travel a lot. So I think that is the key that you know, we, we've got to make sure they're fixtures for the boys. Uh, and also that you know those fixtures aren't being dominated necessarily by two or three players. Which can which can happen, especially in the junior level, you know? Hmm. So if there's if there's less fixtures and guys are dominating the games, then there are gonna be some guys sitting around doing not much on the field. So the more fixtures and more you sort of change the roles up a bit and get boys to experience different roles in different um, times of the game, then they're gonna the, the bug will bite. You know, they'll get an opportunity to to actually bring their skills to the game. You know?
0: Interesting. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. yeah. 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 Just out of interest, just say for example, you're playing at Cape Town School, let's just say Sax, um, and you obviously got your first team playing on a Saturday. Do you leave on the Friday or do you leave early balls, fly in on, on Saturday morning? How does it work? And then do you leave Sunday morning? It must be quite a busy weekend for you.
1: Yeah, look, I think in terms of those traveling fixtures, at the moment they would all be in a festival environment. Right. So obviously, we we would, you know, just like, you were involved in festivals in a town. We'd always be going, you know, day before and day afterwards. So, at that, at the least, maybe two games played at a time if you travel. So, you know, we've we've been up to Grey Bloom once where we've played, you know, maybe Friday afternoon and Saturday. Um, but yeah, it's with the time constraints. There's it, pretty much you know you got to travel the day before play, travel back mm. the day afterwards. So it's it's <laughs> just one of those things. Yeah,
0: no, it's it's busy. And, uh,
1: I think. The boys do adapt as long as they've seen it before. Hmm. You know, if they've seen it at an under 14 age group before, by the time they get to open age group they they're used to it, you know, they know what's coming. It's yeah. obviously just that getting them into it as a junior um, and yeah, it's it's probably the I think that the changing of format is probably more trickier than the the travelling. So in other words, if you changing four boys switching from a 20-20 game to a time game Yes. Um, that might be difficult for them to adjust to. But it's also a good good lesson. It's not not the end of the world. You know, it's, it's a good way for them to learn. Yeah, you know?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, Carl, going back again to um, the number of players that you have at your exposure, exposure um, is it part and parcel of you going to be actually ap- focused on your attention to details of honing in on the skills of those learners? So, you know, like again, your numbers are so much to deal with. It's mm. part of your job, so to say, to say, right, we've got to maximize what we have here to get the most out of them. Is that what contributes to a successful program?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, with the cricketers, you've got to make sure that, as I said earlier, that they're getting some sort of reward mm. straight away. So you don't want to be putting a guy's um, skills in the wrong role. Yes. So maybe find his strength straight up, okay, and make sure you plug him into a role that, even his first couple of games, he starts to identify with that role and actually feels like he's contributing. Mm. So you get that little bit of success and a bit of confidence in him, and then obviously you're going to keep growing his skills. But I think that initial placement and finding people in the right and and selling that you know sense of responsibility in that role, and then they sort of take charge, they get accountability for it, and they get self belief, and then you add this the more and more skills as you go along. So that initial introduction into the sport, obviously as a junior, and as they grow up, I mean you've got a makeup of thirteen players, in the back of your mind, you're always trying to work out where what how can I get the best out of this player and where does that role suit him to start off with. And then he gets that momentum and then you can add the more and more skills to to his game as you grow on.
0: Yeah. Because I think one skill that you've got as a coach is you just you you always got the ability that you can win this game. It doesn't matter if the odds are stacked against you, stacked against you. Sorry, you can win this game. And I remember it was Michaelmas week, and you were actually playing at St Charles, and I, I think it was against like a St John's Joburg or something. It, it was a tough school, but you went in. It was a hot day. um I think you guys. I think you feel it first. I can't quite remember something like that. But the opposition scored a good score. You chased it down and you won the game. <laughs> but it was what a base meme calls your mindset, like. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. We're just going to get these little things right and we're going to win the game. Is mm. that what what do you consider one of your strengths as a coach? You're mm. Positive, you're going to make the most of the situation and you guys can get a result here. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. Yeah, I think, you know, the more that
1: you interview ex-pros and players and they always ask, you know you know, what was the biggest influence on your game? How did you start your career? You know, and a lot of the Players always respond with, you know, at some stage it was an, an ex, a net or a middle, or an experience with a coach where a coach actually believed in them. Mm. You know, there was a, this, this this utter belief that that you can do this, or and and not necessarily, you know, having a a loaded question. Just, you know, the other role, and I believe that you can you can fulfil mm. this role and just asking a couple of questions of players as to you know where they fit in and just selling that that confidence and belief so i think when you when i'm on the side of the field i i genuinely believe that the players can do it yes. and i think that's what the players need to see you know because they don't want to look up and see something that, that there's no belief there you know so mm. and the more you grow that culture you know and the more that mm. you know, the senior players stem in behind that. Then, yeah, funny enough, things do sometimes work out for you.
0: No, uh, not really.
1: always. But yeah, mm. that's that's yeah. I think it's just that un- underlying belief that, that that they
0: can do it. Yeah. Mm. Well, culture is key, like you said, and I think you've mm. developed a great one there. You really, really have. But Co, I want to touch on, on your career briefly, um, and you're you're very really disciplined as a player, from what I can pick up. Everything was kept on the ground. Because I mean you hit about what seven hundred and twenty-five fours and not as many sixes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you would you classify yourself as a worker of the ball, playing space, kept your cool, trying to manipulate the ball as well as you could?
1: Yeah, I think that was I mean, in hindsight, you know, when we started out sure in the sort of late nineties and that sort of thing. Uh, even early '90s, you know, there wasn't international cricket, so it was it was all around um, sort of Castle Curry Cup, and uh, you know, so our, our Test cricket was was provincial cricket, mm. um, and before we came to the '92 World Cup, it was the Curry Cup was a, a you know it was it was a massive competition. It still is, but we didn't have that Test cricket. So the way players were, were brought up was, you know was about occupying the crease and and, mm. and sort of batting for long periods and all the rest. And so I think maybe, I mean, the, my way into provincial cricket was needed that method. So, you know, when we were starting out at Eastern Province Cricket, there was quite a formidable batting lineup. Yes. So my way into the team was not necessarily going to be a, a middle-order um, batter at that stage. It was always going to be trying to sneak in up the order where there was a hole. So, yeah, and I think, you know, my coach at that stage was Colin Bland. Uh, and obviously, Kepler was involved, Kepler Vessel at that stage. So, that was the role they wanted me to play. So, like I was saying earlier on, you know, if someone, you know, if that's your way in, then you're going to go for it. Yes. But then, on another aspect that, you know, I went to the National Academy for a couple of months or six months, uh, and Hilton Ackerman was the coach. And there was a period there where... Um, he actually then sold a different role to me. He wanted to, obviously me to, to express myself, and they sort of used me up front just to smash it. And there were one that's there were some days where it came off, and there, yeah. were, there were some days it wasn't. So to answer your question, I think um, innately sort of my my approach is to wear down a bowler. Hmm. But in hindsight, I you know the the Hilton Ackerman trying to get me to express myself a bit more. I I, I wish that I had found that balance a bit more ah, between being, okay. yeah. And I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously the era of 2020 cricket started much later and I had only a brief taste of it. But, yeah, I would have liked to have had the opportunity to 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 develop that skill, especially at 2020 cricket up front where the, you know, the ball does swing around, but the wickets are true. So, yes. it would have been, yeah. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question, yeah.
0: No, definitely. 2020 cricket, that's always an interesting conversation because we've been chatting about the RPL and all of that. Um, do you think there's, there's space for it at, at school level in terms of like a nice 2020 league gets the guys more excited about the game? Do you, do you guys partake in one at all? Yeah, I think
1: 100%. I think, the the as I said earlier, the right balance. I think the boys have to be exposed to it. Um, you know, the strike rotation as a, as a batter and learning to bowl at the death as a bowler it's such an important skill, and Twenty Twenty cricket asks asks that of you all the time. So hmm. yeah, I definitely think that there's a there's a space for it, and you know that that sort of there's the requirement of Twenty Twenty cricket says you need to think on your feet and need to make a decision quickly, and it's a good another good skill. So hmm. yeah, we definitely wherever we can fit it in, we do it, and we obviously at festivals and that there is Twenty Twenty cricket, and um, yeah, so we we don't shy away from it. Um, so no, absolutely, I think that's, there's definitely a there learning in it for the boys, definitely. Yeah,
0: and I think that's critical because you know, as, as nicely as I can put this, some coaches would want to play Twenty20 20 cricket just to get the game out the way. Yet, like you're saying, there's so much to learn from cricket about this actual format, and I hope that learning takes place, not just you know, the game's done in and out. Let's just keep going. That's the wrong approach. 100%. Like you said the children pick up on it The kids pick up on that. That oh well, we're just getting in and out. So what's fun about cricket? So it's, it's a, you've said something very interesting there. They've got to learn from it. Well, those skills those are
1: transferable. I mean, if you've got a guy that gets stuck in the in the 60s in a time game because he can't get off strike, um, and he gets out playing a rash shot and he loses out the opportunity of getting 100. Now that that period where he's on 60 learning to rotate the strike can be learnt in 2020 cricket. Mm. So now he, he gains that skill because he has to do it in 2020 cricket. Next time he gets on 60 in a time game and gets knocked down or buckled down, he can rotate that track. So 100%. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to go back to your career um, briefly. And you spent a lot of your time with Eastern Province and, and the Warriors. And Was it a place where you felt, you know, that's where the most I got out of my career? And so I'm going to be loyal to these guys. And play as much as I can for them because they really brought the best out of out of your career.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, obviously in terms of community, I was I was born in the Eastern Cape, so and went to the school in Eastern Cape. So yeah, I think I was there was very seldom moments where I looked like uh, you know I wanted to play elsewhere. You know, yeah. I just you know that was my place and uh, you know I wanted to give back. Um but in terms of batting, I think that the, the actual skill of batting, I think you know, locally it's quite tough because of the you know you, the wickets are slow. So whether that suited me, I'm not sure. You know, uh, pace onto the ball and playing up north. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed playing at places um, like even yeah, I mean, Free State. I enjoyed places. Maybe not sure why, but KZN's wicket. I mean, it's just, it just seemed to be a lot quicker than St George's. Hmm. So where the ball was coming on. Um, you know, it could have been better for me as, as a batsman, but uh, yeah, I think that sense of belonging and that sense of community, and, and obviously playing for your province, you know, it doesn't doesn't leave easily. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah. Mm. And Cole, you touched on that. You went to the the cricket academy, the South African academy, and you played a few games. You know, for the SA Invitation at Eleven. Um, that that idea, do you think it's is it a good thing? Is it still growing in the country? Um, and would it always be necessary for warm-up games? Um, or this is probably a random question. Does it toy with players' emotions in the sense that, here I am, I'm in the SA Academy on Invitational 11, but then, you know, what what's the progress from there? Unless you really get called up to the brittiers. Is it a mm. tough, tough question to ask? Is there place for an Invitational 11?
1: Yeah, I think there, there definitely is. You know, it's like even in schoolboy cricket, you know, this time of the year, you, you've got quite a, you've got a few grade 12s playing still, but yeah. you'll, you'll find an odd opportunity just to blood another 15 player and that sort of thing. So, it's not just to see how he performs. It's just to get him comfortable with the situation. So, I think even in the games you're talking about now, it's not so much that this is your game, you need to make a 100 second so play for South Africa next week. It's about, you've played for one team for so long. Now you need to go and now meet a new group of players, maybe a different role, and it's not as comfortable. So it's it's about almost creating those little moments of, you know, a step up, yes, and then finding your feet in that environment and then you'll get another one. And eventually it's not always immediate that a player just jumps to that. You might need two or three invitation games, you know, before you start to see that sense of, okay, I can play at this level. So I think there's definitely a need in terms of transitioning players through the pipeline, 100%. Yeah, because
0: yeah, I've, I've been quite a... St- strongly opinionated about African side that they should be playing more games. And yes, that's just my yeah. opinion. I really feel that, mm-hmm. that as a country, they need to be playing more games, not once a year. I think that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: also the players you play against, if you play against some international teams are warming up for a series. I mean, I remember all those games we played, you know, the West Indies or, or Sri Lanka or England or something. I mean, we... At the end, it was the end of one season. We got we a, a team was picked and we played um, England A at, at Newlands. I mean, they had there was Flintoff in there, there was Harmison, you sure. know, yeah. So and you never forget those games. So mm. Mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's always that warm-up game for a Test team, you know. Yeah,
0: I think there's definitely a need for it. Yeah. No, absolutely. 100. It's so, always. I know it's it's not like. <laughs> but, mm, mm. I'll say this respectfully, not almost the same as playing for the Pertius, but you just know, you just got to keep persisting, because you're there, you know, you're playing for SAA, just keep going. And that's a nice, mm. like a carrot, just keep going. But that's, again, that's not opinion. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, it, it almost needs to, yeah, it might be reinvented, but it needs to be, yeah, the the, the integrity and all, the, the stature of it needs to be held. You know, mm-hmm. you've got lose the, the, the stature of those, those games.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But going back to your, your, your Jumbos days, um, did you enjoy the competitiveness? And, and there was no uh, room or lack of intensity during those Curry Cup games. Those games were tough, weren't they, Carl?
1: No, absolutely. they were just awesome. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, again, the Eastern Province, the Jumbos, the, you know, where the, you, it's again that sort of pipeline and that sort of line of, heritage that you got to look after in that competition. Yeah. And also we had guys like, you know, overseas pros like Eldin Baptiste around and it was just, yeah. I mean Dave Callan was there and obviously Mark Rashmir and there was just, you know, a line of, of cricketers and you, you you know, you had this sense of duty just to uphold the competition. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it was just awesome cricket. Yeah. There was always a, a battle out there and you know we all loved it. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe our local cricket's going to be starting soon. 2nd of November, I believe, is the first four-day franchise. All right. Okay. Really good to see some cricket happening. Very, very good. <laughs> yeah. No, we need it. We need it. Unfortunately, you shrouded in, in some negative stuff, but let's not dwell on that too much. Let's be grateful for the cricket's it's 100%. 100%. <laughs> Cole, you were also given some leadership during your career, um, and that's something that you also brought in, into the cricket's set up at um, St. Andrews in the sense that you want the guys to take leadership roles. So if I'm opening the bowling, I'm opening the batting of the keeper, though you've got your captain for each side, you also want the players to take responsibility. Is that also a critical part of your, your planning? Yeah, I think that
1: that's the only way that learning, you know, takes place. You know, if you, I think, you know, with the recent courses and exposure that we've had is that, you know, leadership, is, is, it can't be all top down, you know. So nowadays, kids are—I are have the opportunity to gain so much knowledge on their own. I mean, it's all at our fingertips with with, mm. with the internet and cell phones and all the rest. So, one—if you keep spoon feeding and keep giving the, the plans and the strategies, well, that's what they're going to keep relying on. So, I think that as soon as you give the players enough space um, to actually take ownership of their own learning, um, they learn a lot quicker and I think it goes in a lot deeper. So mm-hmm. it's all about making sure that they are doing some reflection and planning before they practice and they, and they play their matches. So uh, initially you might as a coach feel a bit frustrated, but after three or four weeks, the guys start coming to you with their plans. And because it's theirs, they take ownership of it mm. and they actually value it. Whereas if it's, if it's, if it's the coach's plan all the time, yeah, it's you doing all the, the nagging, I say. You know? yes. So that's the way the, the model's changed a bit. And that's the way leadership, you know, if the guys are leading themselves, it's much
0: easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Carl, I know and this might be a hard one to answer, but I'm sure there's one or two fixtures that you, you love coming up against and looking forward to on the Saturday. Is there any school that you really enjoy playing against or you just take each fixture as it comes? Yeah, you know, I think yeah,
1: you know, local rivalry is always good. So obviously playing all the schools in Graham Sun and Kingswood and Graham College and obviously our rivals, Gray and P. So I think it just brings out, you know, it tests us the most. Um, and it just also can bring out the best in us and also sometimes the worst in us. So <laughs> I think that is just, it's just a good challenge, you know. So and always like to play in the tall schools, you know, Michael House, mm-hmm. Hilton and Kersney and all those schools and, and and the Jovek schools. And so, yeah, they're, they're obviously the local rivalries, but um, all those other schools are quality schools. So it's, it's just all great competition. We have such a good school system in terms of sport. I mean, in this country, it's just unbelievable. So there's, there's always fixtures and opportunities. Yeah,
0: because yeah, that, that leads to my next question. You know, is, is school sport particularly cricket, is it in good hands or is there still a bit of work to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, I know, we obviously got to know a lot of the coaches around the school, you know, environment. And for, I mean, the guys are quality masters and quality coaches, you know. So I think our school system and you know, the fixtures don't stop, the festivals don't stop. So things are always happening at at school at school level. So yeah, I don't I don't think I mean obviously we'll keep they'll keep looking at it and keep refreshing it, but. I think there's definitely enough talent within the country that leaves school. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't seem to, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Mickleman this week didn't happen. Were you quite keen yeah. on that week? How, how was your first side looking? Because you would have perhaps taken a few youngsters to the, the the festival this year? Yeah, we had a good ter- first term. And um,
1: there were some players that, you know... Even just as Matrix, it started to blossom a bit later on in their career. So, we would have been at Zimbabwe before Mechamu's Week. Right. We go there in the September holiday. So, yeah, I mean, guys were obviously very disappointed. Um, but I think, yeah, they were always hanging on that maybe things might change. But obviously, through a rugby season without playing one match, I think the boys yeah. sort of started to accept things that, you know, weren't going to be so a bit disappointing. But, yeah. Yeah, we
0: well, I'm sure you're raring to go next year, Carl. I'm sure you've got lots of plans in place. <laughs> and, uh, you're, you're going to be meticulous.
1: Yeah, uh, as soon as we can get back on that road, uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah uh, excellent.
0: Yeah. Cole, um, that that's all I really have to, to ask you today. It's been really nice to chat to you. I know cricket's in good hands because you're the man at the helm there. And I, like I said, I really enjoy watching your band of cricket. I really enjoy how your teams go about playing cricket. Always up for a challenge, and I think that that's excellent. It's going to go a long way, very long way. It teaches them about life, like you said. So it's good.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, good luck with your, yeah, your your page. Yeah. yeah. Thanks
0: very much. Yeah. Jan, man, thank you. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man, so yeah. thank you. Much appreciated, Cole. All the best in Cape Town. Have a good one. And when you you're here, let me know if you playing cricket here next year, please let me know. you Like to catch up. Hundred percent. Good. All, All the best, there, Ryan. Yes, man. Cheers, Bye-bye. Bye.